Yee-haw, everybody! Today we got the credit cowboy Jay Gladney in. This man literally wrote the book on how to fix your credit. So, fix your credit. Maybe even fix your child's credit while you're at it, because we give tips on how to do that, and how to avoid collections, and how to get things taken off of your account. So this is a good financial episode for anyone out there that might be struggling. As always, leave us a good review on iTunes and share this podcast with friends and family. It's very much appreciated. Now, let's all join the 700 Club. But not that one. Not the one you're thinking of. Welcome to the show, Jay Gladney. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on. Uh, you have an interesting nickname, the Credit Cowboy. Yeah, I'm <laughs> new to Texas and all I do is credit. So somebody coined me the nickname and I just ran with it. It's good. I like it. Thanks. It helps as an intro. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, a few years back, I had went through a situation where I had a different business before and one thing led to another. I ended up losing that business. And shortly thereafter, I went through a divorce. So it's like my whole world crashed down in the span of three years. And in the process, my credit was trashed. Um, I went just on a journey to find out how to fix my own credit. And in that process, uh, I was able to repair my credit and other people asked, Hey, how did you do that? So I began helping other people and, I ended up with a business repairing credit. Hey, that's serendipity. That's real good because a lot of people need credit help out there. Oh yeah. It, it's a huge market. Definitely. And that's like, I have good credit, but um, I couldn't have told you what exactly I did to get there. Okay. You know, I'd like, I pay my bill on time and that's about it. You know, I don't have any, anything crazy. Well, that, that's the main part is paying your bills on time. Is there like a rule on when to use credit cards or when to avoid them? Well, here's my personal philosophy on when to use credit cards. Um, I believe that you should use a credit card like a debit card. And so what that means is that you should spend only what you really have. If you only have $500 to spend in that month and you have a credit card balance of 10000 then you only spend 500 So that, that's where people get in trouble is they're using credit cards like it's free money. And my philosophy is just to use it based on the money that you have. Yeah. And is it like a best practice to pay off the full balance as soon as it shows up on a bill or is it, you know, like month to month? Well, I I do things my own way. I'll be honest. I believe in leaving a small balance on your credit card. So there are two schools of thought um, in my field. Some people say, hey, pay it off in full every month. And I say leave, you know, one to three percent on there just because we want to show that we want to show some activity with the credit card. So one thing that you can do and a lot of people don't know is that if you uh, swipe your credit card and then you just hurry up and go pay it off and it, it never reports a balance. 
So there's nothing to report to the credit bureaus. So you want to have some activity and be making payments on a balance, a very small balance, and that will help you more than hurt you. Is that something if somebody has multiple credit cards, should they do that on each, like maintain just a little bit of a balance? Um, you can, you can, um, an overall strategy, uh, you just want to make sure that there's some activity on each card. So you, you don't want a card to get closed for in, due to inactivity. So if you have a card that's 10 years old and you know, you've gotten four more cards within that time frame, you still want to keep that old card open because that's helping your credit a lot. Yeah, I had a uh, a buddy of mine I work with just recently. He got a new card and he closed his old one and he said oh. it just absolutely destroyed his credit. Yeah, that's like one of the worst things you can do. Yeah. <laughs> it's that uh that history of credit. Exactly. So, he lost payment history and he also lost uh, maybe a credit mix. Um so that also factors into your FICO score. And I won't jump ahead too much. But length of credit history, credit mix, and payment history, he lost all at once. So, that yeah, is, that was bad. <laughs> that was rough. And I, yeah. I know about enough about credit to use my credit karma. And that's, that's about all I know. Okay. Okay. Credit karma is a good tool. So what credit karma is, it's a marketing app. And so they get paid when you sign up for affiliate offers. So when you sign up for that credit card that they recommend or one of those products, they make a, they get a kickback. So just a, a, a warning to people, Credit Karma is a great tool because it updates, I think like once a week now. Yeah, it's awesome. So, so yeah, it's good to be able to just to get an idea of what's going on with your credit. But at the same time, just be wary of all the offers that they're sending because a lot of them, they'll say, hey, you could get approved for this. And I've seen people apply for them and get denied after they said, Hey, you would get approved. So well, and that, just hurts, that hurts your credit, doesn't it? To just to apply for the, the card. Well, an uh, inquiry, it can knock you down a few points, but as long as you don't just have a bunch of inquiries in a short frame of time for a bunch of different things, uh, it, it's not really anything to worry about. And when you're looking at, you know, some of these cards that are out there, is there like a rule of thumb as to what's a good percentage rate? Um, most of the percentage rates are within the same ballpark, probably 12 to 22% for most cards. So that really shouldn't be a factor in choosing a card because they're pretty much all the same. And really, if you're, if you're using your credit card as a tool, um, you don't want to get dinged with any significant amount of interest anyway, because like I said, we want to keep balances really low. Like I said, one to 3%. And like, if you have a, a card that's a thousand dollars and you're keeping uh, $10 on there, like yeah, if you, you do have a 22% interest rate, like it really, it's not that significant. So yeah, you jumped up two bucks. <laughs> yeah. You jumped up two bucks. So, <laughs> you know, that's not bad. I know my first credit card I got when I was 18, like I had just turned 18. It was about the only credit card I could get was 20, 29, nine. Okay. Like it was, uh, I knew it was rough and they told me up front that like, look, it has a really high interest rate just because <laughs> like you have zero credit. Right. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's fair. <laughs> well, yeah, they prey on the 18 year old. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you probably just excited to just have a credit card. So they bank on that. No pun intended. 
Right. And we're, uh, I mean, at that age, prone to make bad decisions. So Absolutely. I had okay. a, a question about closing loans, you know, talking about being 18, going to school. When you pay off your student loan debt, it seemed like my credit like dropped for, for having paid it off. And that seems almost counterintuitive. Yeah. Well, if you paid it off and you had a great payment history for that loan and it closed out and it showed as a closed account paid off on your credit report, that's a positive thing. So even though you may have a, a temporary dip uh, right away, in the long term, that's going to stay on your credit report for 10 years. So a paid off loan is an excellent thing to have on your credit report okay. for a lender to see. So where that might hurt you is if you have a thin credit file. So if that was your only installment account, then that could affect your credit mix. And so with your credit mix, you want to have a mix of installment accounts and revolving accounts. And if you only had that as your only installment account, then you got dinged for that. Um, also, if that was your only account that had a low balance, you know, that might hurt you as well. A lot of little tricks in there. Yeah, it sounds like it. So an, an yeah. installment is like a loan and then a revolving is like your uh, credit card? Yeah, definitely. That that sums it up. Perfectly. Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't uh, wasn't missing something in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Nice. So that's good to know because I know when I paid off my, uh, I had like three different student loans that were all, I mean, fairly low. It's not yeah. like I, I went to a prestigious school. Otherwise, I wouldn't be hosting a show telling everyone how dumb I was. So they were all pretty low. And when I started paying them off, I noticed like a dip every time it happened. Yeah. And I'm like, am I getting dinged for making payments? <laughs> no, no. It, it, it's just temporary. And then, like I said, it's, it, it depends on your credit mix. So everybody's situation is unique with their credit. Uh, some people, that it could be devastating. Like I said, if that's only an installment account, I've seen people drop and just get hysterical. <laughs> yeah. And then is there like another dip on the other side of that? You know, once it's been there for 10 years, does it kind of fall off the record and you take a little bit of a hit? Yeah. Well, it, like I said, if it's on there for 10 years, hopefully within that 10 years, you got some other accounts, you know, to take the place of that. And you've been making in a, in a perfect world where, you know, people don't lose jobs and go through divorces and lose businesses and things of that nature. Hopefully you got some other installment accounts. You bought a car or you bought a home or something like that. And you, you were able to make timely payments. And so you, you won't miss that, that student loan too much when it does fall off. Okay. I had another question about that. Cause I had, you know, I watched my credit climb and credit karma, not knowing, you know, what I was doing right or wrong. And once it went over 800, I noticed I just started getting tons of offers from like high end cards and like the black limitless card. And they're like, it's okay. a join our exclusive club. Yeah. And I was, I was like, how do they know my, my credit got better? Okay. Well, the credit bureaus sell your information. So oh. yeah, they're really technically called credit reporting agencies, but we'll just stick to bureaus because we don't want to confuse people. So Equifax, Experian and TransUnion uh, basically, their job is to compile information about everything you do credit-wise. And the way that they get paid is by selling credit reports and by um, allowing uh, different lenders and banks to uh, like run soft inquiries on your credit. So that's what's happening. Those credit card companies are doing soft pulls on your credit, and they're seeing 
the same thing that you would see if you pulled your own credit. So when they see that you're uh, a good risk, they'll go ahead and reach out to you and say, hey, <laughs> let me uh, dangle this carrot in front of you yeah. and hopefully you sign up for it. I always thought it was going to be super cool, like the black credit card. They're like, it's titanium on one side and carbon fiber and has no limit. And then I was looking through the brochure and they're like, oh, it also has a $300 a year, you know, like for the privilege of having an account fee. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, good. $300 for owning the card. (laughs) Yeah. Well, some of the higher end cards, uh, there's a a annual fee like uh, with the Amex Platinum. I believe it's $500 a year. And I, I really don't recommend people get the platinum. I think that the Amex gold is good. It's good enough. And I think that annual fee is like $250, okay. $225, $250, something like that. And there's really no, I just don't see a justifiable reason to go for a platinum over a gold. So yeah, some of the higher end cars, they have astronomical annual fees. And I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know anything about the MX Platinum, but is it like a very popular card for people to get? And then they find out they have this large annual. Yeah, the Amex Gold and the Amex Platinum are really good cards. Um, Amex, but like I said, as far as the the differences in the the perks that you get with the Platinum, it's just not that much over the Gold. So um, the Amex and a couple other cards that I like are the Chase Sapphire Preferred and the Chase Sapphire Rewards. And those are really good for travel. And even those, like the annual fee is just not astronomical. A lot of these cars are just like vanity. It's just, you know, for you to pull it out and people to react a certain way. Sure. It's so the, the status of having the shiny it, card. Exactly. It's catering to your ego. So there, there's really no reason to have a Amex Platinum unless you just, hey, you, you feel like you made it and you want people to know. Well, if you get the money for it, why not? But why not? otherwise, otherwise it seems silly, but yeah. So speaking of, you know, like the Sapphire rewards card, I know I've seen Amazon has a rewards card and us bank has a rewards card and there's cash plus and all these other things. Is there like a real benefit to any one over the other? Well, yeah, there are a lot of different reward programs out there, but the best ones to me are the ones I mentioned, CSP and CSR, because those are good for travel. Um, so you got different cashback bonus cards, but as far as for points, like you just can't beat uh, the CSP and the CSR because you get, I believe with the CSP, a hundred K signup bonus. If you spend a certain amount of money within the first three or four months, and then it's just up from there, you know, it's three X and five X bonuses, and you, you just can't beat that. I don't think it's anything better than that out there. Uh, if, you, if you like to travel. I might have to look into that. I have a, I have like a rewards card from my bank and it gives me, you know, like 20 bucks a month or whatever. It knocks off my bill. <laughs> okay. So it's fine. And yeah. I'm like, I, I guess it's better than not having any rewards, but Absolutely. other than that, it's just kind of a, the card I use. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. Yeah. And it, it seems, you know, <laughs> like it works for me. Right. As far as uh, you said, like, those are the best cards for traveling. Is there like a specific reason they benefit travelers? Yeah. Their points, the points are used for travel. Oh. Another couple that I could uh, recommend is 
the Amex Delta Sky Miles Reserve and the Amex Hilton Reserve. And actually, uh, my girlfriend and I, we just took a trip and she has those and we were able to cash in on some of the points um, in Miami. And yeah, so, you know, you can get a lot of perks flying Delta and the Amex Hilton Reserve. If you're staying at the Hilton, you get a lot of perks. So if you're a traveler, then those cars come in handy. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, and why not? If you're already doing the traveling and you're already flying Delta and you're already staying at the Hilton, why not just pick up the card that already benefits the most? Why not? So then talking about having money, you know, money in the bank, is there a benefit to, you know, having a savings account versus, you know, like investing your money in something? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know it's a broad question. I, yeah, I like to it, ask big questions. Yeah, it, it, it is. And I could go on and on about this. And I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not licensed. So I just want to give that disclaimer right away that, you know, people should contact the financial advisor. But in my humble opinion, having a bunch of money in savings for an extended period of time is not the best move that I could think of. Let's just say I had $200,000 saved just working and saving diligently. Like if I was to just leave that in a savings account, and I don't even know what the interest rate is on savings accounts now because it's not even worth me (laughs) looking into, but it's probably 0.08 or something like that. Yeah, some ridiculously low number. (laughs) Yeah, so... There's this real thing called inflation. Money is becoming less and less valuable. So if you just let it sit there, it's becoming less and less valuable. And so what you want to do is if you have a large sum of money, um, in my opinion, I would invest in at least like an index fund. And historically, index funds have gotten anywhere from 7 to 12% returns. So that would keep you up with inflation at least. Yeah, I mean, that's what a hundred times better than your uh, your savings account. <laughs> yeah. So just having a bunch of money. I mean, I know everybody should have an emergency fund, but just having, you know, a couple hundred thousand sitting in savings, it's, it's like bananas to me. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't have that kind of money, but uh, <laughs> okay. I, I also work a job. But, you know, like I've got a retirement account and I know that it does better than a savings ever would for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you'll you'll get there. You know, time, everybody will make a lot of money over time. So it's just about the decisions you're making with whatever, wherever you're at on the social economic ladder. You know, as long as you're making the, the, the best decisions for where you're at, then it'll benefit you. Is there like a best thing I could do? You know, I get good credit. Is there you know, what's my next step? After having good credit? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you have good credit and you're investing in at least, like I said, an index fund, that's pretty safe. Unless all the Fortune 500 companies close down, then you'd have a a bigger problem on your hands than worrying about money. The next thing would be probably life insurance. Okay. (laughs) And a lot of people are not talking about this, but Insurance is, is, is really a great tool as well. And it can also be an investment tool. So uh, please, no matter what age you are, um, invest in uh, the proper insurance for you. Once again, I can't recommend anything. I'm not a financial advisor, but look into getting a, a, the proper insurance policies for you in your situation. Yeah. And I, I don't know anyone that works in insurance, but I'm, I'll drag one on the show for one of these days. 
just make them explain things and that episode will work like nitrous oxide and just start knocking people out (laughs) yeah yeah it's a good topic though and people don't it's kind of morbid to think about it like hey i'm gonna die but for the most part i I don't think that you'll find a way around it (laughs) you know so well and there's there's the uh you know you can't take it with you but you can take it from other people when you go because if you don't have life insurance and you die you kind of leave everything on somebody else yeah and that's that's really selfish so yeah please um anybody hearing this if you have life insurance um think about getting a policy and like i said i don't know any insurers either so i can't uh can't speak to that maybe one of them will come in and sponsor me or something but uh yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah. Then I can be like, Hey, I'm sponsored to tell you that so-and-so wants to sell you insurance. <laughs> but uh, on the other side of that, there's a lot of people who live strictly in the moment and they wind up in uh, collections for not being able to pay their bills. Is there an advice you have on that too? Yeah. So if you do have a collection on your credit report, one thing that you can do is you can leverage the law in your favor. There's a law called the FCRA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And in that act, there are a bunch of guidelines that these data reporters have to abide by in reporting your collection. So that's a good thing for you because you have a chance to, even if you owe a collection, you can get that removed from your report. Now, even though you can get that removed from your report, you still owe that collection. So that's a matter of you and your integrity, (laughs) whether you're going to pay it or not. And this is a quick overview of how you could get a collection removed from your credit report. So you can draft a letter and just ask a credit bureau or even reach out directly to a collection agency and ask them to verify that debt, that you need information on this debt. Um, You're not going to lie or do anything um, unethical or illegal. But you can just say, hey, I need you to verify this. And a lot of times they're not able to verify it. So these collection agencies buy these debts from the original creditor and humans enter this data. And in the process, like I said, the FCRA, like a lot of our laws, is so uh, voluminous. (laughs) It's just so much to adhere to that they don't adhere to everything that they should do. So you can luck up and get a collection removed. And that's how I'm able to have a business doing this is I've gotten pretty good at it. So you can actually do the same thing. You can write a letter and just ask them to verify it. And a lot of times they're not able to, they have 30 days. And if they don't do that in a timely manner, then by law, they have to remove it. Oh, nice. Well, that's actually probably very helpful for a lot of people to hear that there is an option out there. I'm hoping it helps somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking to helping someone, say there's a listener out there that's 17 and they turn 18 next week. What's the advice you'd give them to start building up their credit? Okay. If you're turning 18 next week, go to mom and dad and ask them to put you, make you an authorized user on their oldest credit card. They don't have to actually give you a physical card, but just making you an authorized user would do you a lot of good because you would get credit for their payment history So you can be 18 with a card that's 10 years old, 10 years of payment history reporting on an 18-year-old's credit report. And that probably could instantly take you into the 700 club. So if I was 17 or 18 again, that's probably the 
the thing that could just put you in a great position. If you have a parent who has a car with just flawless payment history and the utilization isn't too high, just go ahead and ask them to make you an authorized user. And that would just spring you right to the front of the line. And is that something you can do for, you know, say somebody just had a child, their child's one, two, whatever. Is that something they can just do at that age? No, you got to be 18. Okay. Yeah, you got to be 18. There you go. Can't add your one-year-old on your card. (laughs) (laughs) No, a one-year-old doesn't have a credit report. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. Try though. (laughs) Hey, you gotta you gotta work the system however you You can, right? Finding loopholes. Yeah. Speaking of inflation, there's a lot of increase, you know, in the U.S. in the cost of like housing and such. Has that made it? you know, all the more important to have a good credit score? Or is it just kind of a, you know, if you have money in the bank, you have a better chance? Um, There's no way of getting around credit with buying a house. Credit is becoming more and more crucial because actually the period that we went through in 2020, a lot of the firms that buy these investments, they buy the mortgages and they are risk averse. So a lot of them have had to uh, raise the standards. So you had certain loans that people could qualify for pre-pandemic that the qualifications to get approved weren't as high. So once the pandemic happened, people were kind of wary. So instead of them giving everybody a loan, they're like, hey, uh, we need you to take it up a notch. So before, if we wanted to a 580, now we need a 640. Or before, if we required a 620, now we need to see a 680. So people are just hedging against default. So now more than ever is a great time to just have excellent credit to be um, in the at least low 700s. High 600s, low 700s uh, is the best place to be. Yeah, anything lower than that, like, um, you know, you, you, you'll get dinged with a higher interest rate. And then on the higher interest rate, a lot of people bought their houses, you know, pre-pandemic. Is there like a a time window or a type of, you know, statistic you should look at for refinancing? Uh, Now's a good time. Uh, We're just, you're just looking at interest rates. So uh, now's a really good time to refinance still. And you're just looking at the price of money. So the Fed, you know, they'll, they'll just make money cheap. So right now, money is really cheap to borrow, and it's a really good time to refinance. So they're doing that as a measure to uh, boost the economy. So when they do raise the Fed rate higher, then less people will refinance because money will be more expensive to borrow. So now's a really good time. Okay. Well, see, there's good advice. I know there's a lot of people I've talked to, they're like, should I refinance? Well, what if I if I'm going to sell my house soon, then I probably don't want to, you know, there's a a lot of variables in that, but it sounds like, you know, Hey, if you're going to knock 2% off of your loan, it's probably, probably worth it to just do it now. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Well, I mean, alongside that, anything uh, you want to plug your business here since we got the, we got the open mic. Oh, sure. I'm on Instagram and you'll just get to see, I post more on IG story every day than I do on my page. And I'm just constantly giving out value. So I'm basically just 
spilling my thoughts about credit and finance every day on my IG story. And my IG handle is Credit Cowboy. And if you want to go check out my website for my business, it's the letter G, the number five, financial.com. So that's www.g5financial.com. There you go. And you also, I mean, you literally wrote a book on this topic. Yeah. I mean, and you sent it to me and it's a, it's a good read, but if you want to plug that too, I mean, plug away. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. The book is called The Money Book. Um, it's available on Amazon and um, you can just search my name, Jay Gladney, and The Money Book should pop up. There are a couple other titles called The Money Book, I believe. So just search my name and you'll see it's a really uh, unique cover, I think. Yeah. And <laughs> you'll see my name at the bottom of the cover. So hopefully that book is only $9.99. So if you're saying, hey, I don't want to pay you to repair my credit, or I don't want you to know my personal information, then um, you can spend $9.99 and you'll get most of my process in that book and you can go ahead and do it yourself. I got 10 bucks to fix your future. There you go. I appreciate having you on the show. It's been great. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for listening to another episode. I appreciate y'all hanging in there with me, especially if you're listening through this and you didn't just turn it off. Yeah, you know who you are. Anyway, I'm very much enjoying my vacation time and not having to do anything other than record and host this podcast. And it has reminded me just how much I would like to just do this as my full-time job because it is amazing. Anyway, uh, leave some five-star reviews on iTunes. Steal other people's phones, even. Just leave a bunch of reviews. All your family's phones. All the reviews. It really helps. And then maybe one day I can do this full-time and just start cranking out episodes every other day. Alrighty, I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.